0: Welcome to PB&J Connection, this will not be televised podcast. Thanks for checking us out. I'm PB. And I'm Jay. Our health-related discussions will convey educational information about medical research, studies, facts, findings, and experiences of people from every walk of life.
1: Concepts will be simple and easy to understand. We've got you covered,
0: and we promise to not be boring. So let's dive into the world of health you won't find on your television. Welcome
1: listeners to PBJ Connection. Today we're going to talk about a subject that you may or may not have heard about before. It's immunotherapy. Um, and trust me, it's going to be interesting and educational and Pam's going to start us out. Take it away, Pam.
0: Hey listeners. Good to be back here today on PB&J. So, um, what is immunotherapy, you know, and how does it work? You know, immunotherapy has been around now for a couple of years. I remember a woman talking about, back in 2005, that she was in a clinical trial for immunotherapy, and she actually has been um, cancer-free for about 16 years. So immunotherapy is a form of medical treatment that harnesses or enhances the power of our immune system to fight disease, particularly cancer because that's where it's been used prominently in the last few years. So what it's doing is this immunotherapy is either stimulating the patient's own immune system to work harder or smarter to attack cancer cells or to provide the components necessary to increase someone's immune system uh, proteins. And so there are several types, I'm just gonna put it out there, there's several types of immunotherapy. Um, One is the monoclonal antibodies. Now these antibodies or what they call molecules are lab produced and can target specific antigens like those found on the surface, antigens are found on the surface of cancer cells. And so, what they do is they produce these molecules and they target it directly to the cells that are in the uh, that are in the body, and then you have like what they call immuno checkpoint inhibitors. Now these, on the other hand, are not manuf- laboratory produced manufactured molecules, but it's actually a drug. And what it does, it recognizes to attack cancer cells and the checkpoint, what it does is that these drugs are are like a checkpoint. So once it recognizes the cancer cell, then it like it checks it and it, it goes along with the antigens itself. And then you have the cancer vaccines. And all of these, what I'm mentioning are parts of immunotherapies. So unlike the vaccines against infection and measles and mumps and and chicken pops, cancer vaccines are designed to help treat, but not prevent cancer. So it's totally different than regular vaccines that you may be accustomed to like the flu vaccine or shingles where it actually prevents the actual virus. Cancer vaccines are used to just treat it, not prevent it. So it's not something you can get. Uh, go to the doctor and ask them you want a cancer vaccine and they're gonna inoculate you and it's gonna prevent it altogether. It doesn't work like that. Um, and then there's adoptive cell therapy. Now, this is interesting. So this process involves taking the immune cells from the tumor or the, the site in which the cancer exists they take them out, they modify them by a process of dividing them in order to create more immune cells. And then they infuse them back into the patient. So it's it's like they take instead of creating molecules in a laboratory or giving a vaccine or or having these um, what they call checkpoints where there are certain cells that happened because of the fact that it's a drug that's in, um, or that's actually given to a patient this cell therapy this doctor cell therapy allows you to take your own cells and then they take them out modify them in the lab then put them right back in you and jay here it is i'd rather have something i already own than something of the unknown
1: mm-hmm. and Pam, I don't know if you saw this in your research, but I I saw, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I also saw that um, they can take some of those T cells from other people yeah. too. Yeah. So, in That's theory, funny, right? you maybe could get, and I don't know if that would be from a family member. I don't know if they do a um, you know a screening to see who's closest to you, you know, like they do with blood, for example, yeah. and they do with and organs. I'm not sh-
0: yeah, and I'm not sure because they do they do use I, I don't know if they do uh, matching like they would do with right. organs right exactly you know yeah but think they the can way. take T cells and B cells both T and B cells and actually infuse them into the system and then the, those will actually kill the cancer attack the cancer cells so it's the good thing about immunotherapy when it all comes down to push shove when you look at immunotherapy compared to conventional medicine like chemotherapy, radiation and surgery, right? For the removal of cancer or for the treating of cancer, you know, we all know the chemotherapy, nausea, you know, hair loss, um, you know, the, the hair follicles, the digestive tract, all of these, because not only in the conventional methods, it not only is attacking the cancer cells, but it's also attacking the good cells.
1: Yeah, and that's right. that's the big deal that, that I saw in, in my research, Pam, and you probably saw it too, is all those conventional methods that you described, the, the chemo and the radiation and whatnot, it's like, well, you're killing everything else along the way, right. hoping, ho- and only hoping. Okay. To right. get all of the cancer because there, there's still no guarantee,
0: right? That's true. Yeah. That is so true. So your odds are, the, the, let's say this, the aftermath, the, the side effects are less, right? Um, but also the chances of it coming back is reduced. Now I'm not gonna say it's eliminated because I think, Jay, in your research, you found out that just because you have immunotherapy doesn't mean that the cancer is gone or that you're completely cured.
1: And it doesn't work for all types of cancer, unfortunately. But I gotta tell you, based on what I saw, I think we're really on the cusp of them making some breakthroughs with immunotherapy. Um, And wouldn't Mm -hmm. that be lovely,
0: right? It would. It truly would. So, I mean, in summary, you know, immunotherapy, kind of it, it's created this paradigm shift, which you were talking about, Jay, you know, in cancer treatment. Something that we didn't have before. Something that was, in the case of a mom who died of cervical cancer, um, and by the time that they were treating her, she was going through chemo, and, radiation and it was making her sick and she was and this was one thing she didn't want to do she didn't want to lose her beautiful long locks right her and then fortunately though she never complained she never complained but immunotherapy was not an option for her and she passed away in 2017 but it was not an option for her that and so this, pair, this shift in the way they're treating cancer, it is definitely hopeful.
1: Yeah, I, I think it, there's a lot of promise towards, uh, you know, finding something that's going to work. And you and I talked about this before, how they're almost going to have to make these therapies so unique to the individual. Because so many, oh. cause, right? We talked about this mm-hmm. in how many other podcasts. Everyone is different. You can't have this cookie cutter approach, which is, I think we have with a lot of the radiation and the chemo. And I'm using my, my friend in Pensacola as an example, you know, their, her treatment that she's getting for breast cancer is based on what everybody else has gotten.
0: Oh, okay. So it's it's,
1: not, it's it's not personalized. Well, it's only personalized based like probably on her weight. And probably right. on her age,
0: right. uh, yes. But, you know, like for they dosage, do
1: all right? But uh-huh. I, I can't believe that they did a, you know, any kind of a background check and you know her family uh-huh. history to really put together a profile. Because you and I talked about this to put together a profile to see how individualized it should be, and also what is the DNA of the cancer that you're trying to kill? Because I've, yes. seen, and this is not. I don't know if that's part of immunotherapy or not, whether they take a sample of the tumor or the cancer mass uh-huh. and then they decide what to use or how, you know, what the attack plan should be. I didn't go into that depth. but Yeah,
0: I think there was a, a little bit of my research did it kind of touched on the immunotherapy because it's highly, it can be, it's not always, but it can be highly personalized for the individual and the type of cancer that they have. And and the patients, especially when the patients are using their own um, innate immune cells in order to create it, you know, because if, 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 like I said, I'd rather use what I own instead of what I, of the unknown. Um, yeah. And so it, it, you can actually because of the infusion of your cells, once they have modified them, strengthened them, harnessed them, stimulated them, right? Your own and put them back in your body. Not only that, but they increase the number of them. Yeah.
1: Right. So yeah. they divide them. Yeah. You'd think that'd be really important. they increase
0: the number. So yeah, it's almost like you have a this arsenal, this defense. Right. Around right. you. that right. it, it helps in order to, to combat that. So, you know, I think, uh, You know, to have it personalized can be done very easily because you're using, one, your own DNAs, right? You're using your own immune system. You're using everything that your body is is accustomed to having and seeing and recognizing as your own because it's no longer a foreign, it's not a foreign object or something, foreign drug or something that's that's, uh, susceptible to be destroyed by your own system. Yeah. So it's like being in this giant castle, your body being the castle, and then you having all these guards, you know. And I guess that's the best way for me to explain it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no. you have the elite fleet, you know, that come in because of the fact that now you have more soldiers that are coming in to create that the defense against cancer. Right.
1: Yeah. That's a good way to describe it, too. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> Pam talked about... Uh, you know, how, how immunotherapy works in, in many ways for those who have cancer. And in January this, this month, the University of Texas at Arlington came out with an article saying why immunotherapy doesn't work for everyone. And so listeners, just so you know, wouldn't it be nice if it did work for everybody? And wouldn't it be nice if it worked for all kinds of cancers? Well, they found that, um, This study, which was published in Cell Reports, it said uh, certain types of cancers, including colon, pancreatic, prostate, and brain cancers, have stubbornly resisted immunotherapy. And while breast esophageal and head and neck cancers often respond favorably, sometimes the treatments don't work as planned. So uh, the team determined that a key checkpoint in the immune system called NKG2A doesn't engage with its specific binding molecule expressed in cancer cells until the appropriate signal is received. So they're doing more work to find out why this is happening and why it doesn't work for those types of cancer. And so I'm cautiously optimistic about them finding, you know, more about this NKG2A receptor and finding out um, you know what the deal is with that and why it's not engaging and then when you talk about cancers like uh, brain cancers you've got that stubborn blood brain barrier that they always find difficulty breaking through and there have been advances with that but not to the extent that brain cancer can be cured especially the glioblastoma and so i i you know it's good to know that they're looking into this and they're they're finding there's a lot so many smart people pam uh doing yeah. this research i i mean it's just it's um uplifting to see that there are people i mean these people that did this um study i just have to say there was someone from a uta university of texas associate vice president for research and innovation um, a, a postdoctoral fellow, co-authors of the study with a, a colleague from the Netherlands and uh, someone in Sweden from the Karolinska University. I mean, this is not just a U.S. thing. This is a global thing uh, because there there are things that are going on all over the world, not just the United States. And so, this particular study also revealed how certain cancers can inhibit the immune system from activating its macrophages, which are specialized immune cells that play a critical role in eliminating diseased or damaged cells. So I have hope that these people who are very smart Way smarter than, than I am, I gotta tell you. Um, just trying to decipher some of these articles and and picking out the the words that I can recognize
0: is is difficult enough. But these people—that's well, that's what's good about our podcast. Yeah. the the thing is, our listeners don't have to do the research and kind of break all this research down. Yeah. You know, yeah. they and, and figure out the words and what they mean and so forth. It is our job, so that's why it's good to listen to our podcast. We we try to make it simpler for you.
1: Yeah, well, we try anyway. (laughs)
0: Try, yes.
1: (laughs) So um, Pam talked about uh, some of the things that immunotherapy treats, uh, especially cancer. I mean, that's the big deal. But immunotherapy also is used for treating other things. And Pam mentioned that the... um, Immunotherapy hasn't been around for a long time, and this article that I read in Healthline uh, said in 2018, uh, Dr. James Allison won the Nobel Prize for his development of a type of immunotherapy called checkpoint inhibitors, which Pam talked about earlier. So this is kind of a new thing, right? It's not been around for a long time. So those who um, have passed away from their cancer because there was, you know, nothing out there, this is... It's really, it, it, it gives me hope. I, I, that's what I have to say. Um, so some of the things that immunotherapy is used for, besides cancer, um, is folks that are dealing with immunodeficiencies. And so that is a group of more than 200 genetic conditions that impair the immune system. Um, 200 genetic conditions. Who knew, right? I certainly didn't. I didn't either. Um, and those genetic conditions that impair your immune system include and listeners, this isn't gonna make any sense to you because it doesn't even make any sense to me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna list them anyway. It's CTLA4 deficiency, LRBA deficiency, leukocyte adhesion deficiency, severe combined immunodeficiency, and X-linked lymphoproliferative disease. Now, okay. I have to believe that there are no- enough of those conditions out that they think immunotherapy is a, is a pretty big deal. Um, and so the immunotherapy that they use is immunoglobulin replacement therapy, and it's the most important and successful therapies for treating those immunodeficiencies, those 200 genetic conditions. So who knew, right? Who knew? I didn't. Um, it's also used for allergic reactions. Um, according to the American College, College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, immunotherapy is used to prevent um, allergic reactions caused by substances such as, and I thought this was interesting, bee venom, dust mites, and grass pollens. And if you've ever had an allergy shot, which I have, and I, I started getting them in the 80s, I don't get them anymore, Um, the immunotherapy involves injecting gradually increasing doses of the substance that you're allergic to, to reduce your immune system's sensitivity to it. I never knew that that was a form of immunotherapy. I had no idea. Um, another
0: thing that is... Absolutely new to me, too. I know.
1: Who knew? It was never explained to me like that, but that's interesting. Um... Autoimmune diseases, um, those happen when your immune system attacks healthy tissue. And so when immunotherapy is used for those, it blocks the immune activity. And so autoimmune diseases should benefit from repurposing immunotherapies developed to treat cancer. The holy grail treatment for autoimmune disease is finding a way to selectively treat the autoimmune disease without affecting other immune functions, which we have Right, we learned from Pam when she was talking about the cancer. Um, currently, control of an autoimmune condition involves taking nonspecific immunotherapy drugs that have a general effect on your immune system and cause side effects.
0: So... Hey, let me ask you a quick mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. In your research, did you find any um, evidence of, of immune therapies to be used for AIDS and um, HIV?
1: I did not. Okay. I did not. You know,
0: because AIDS is an autoimmune deficiency syndrome, and so I'm wondering if they've incorporated that into AIDS, you know, treatment.
1: Yeah, and I would say, and what the heck do I know, so now that HIV and AIDS is treatable but not curable, I wonder how much on the bandwagon they really are, right? So you have to Follow wonder. the money,
0: right? <laughs> I, I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. That drugs are working. If why if, mess with the process? Well,
1: for? they're making money with the drugs that are used to treat HIV right. and AIDS. Why would they want to make it go away? All, oh, did I say that out loud? I'm
0: sorry, Pam. Did I say <laughs> that's that what out I loud? I was thinking. You just when you said it, it, was like, okay, follow the follow money. Follow the we money.
1: Know. Big Pharma. I'm telling you, <laughs> mm-hmm. and people who have invested in Big Pharma. So that's yeah. just that's just my personal opinion. Right. Um, so here's another thing that I didn't think about immunotherapy and, and how it's been used and it's for tissue and organ transplants, right? Mm -hmm. Usually drugs are administered in two phases, an induction phase where large doses, large doses of immunosuppressants are administered at the time of transplantation, transplantation and a long-term maintenance phase. So four types of drugs are used. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce these because I will mess them up and anybody with a brain who knows how to pronounce them will say, oh, what a jerk she is. So I'm not even going to tell you. Um, Inflammatory disorders is another thing that Uh immunotherapy is used for. Um, Examples include (laughs) medication for rheumatoid arthritis, juvenile idiopathic arthritis, and adult onset stills disease. Medication for Mm -hmm. systemic lupus, um, and medication for, let's see here, I can't pronounce some of these, psoriasis and uh, psoriatic arthritis, and medication for neuromyelitis optus spectrum disorder. So those are examples of other things that immunotherapy is used for, and who the heck knew, right? Right. Um, I mean, it's just amazing that uh, it's been, and maybe not categorized the same way as it is for cancer, right? Mm-hmm. But still the same concept.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, cause, Absolutely. Because like
1: I said, I got allergy shots in the 80s. And so, but they probably didn't classify them as a form of immunotherapy, even though that's kind of what it is. That's
0: what it was. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right, right. Somebody had to go a little deeper and actually come up with a name for
1: it. Yeah, yeah. So I would say uh, it's, we're on the cusp of some interesting developments and Mm -hmm. people who have cancer that can be treated with immunotherapy should be very happy that, you know, very smart people are are doing these investigations in this research.
0: Absolutely, and the collaboration, you know, the global collaboration, the possibility and probability of actually coming up with something that is viable that can be used um, is it increases it increases daily. So the more they look at this, I think the more the better off we'll be in the, in the very near future. I'm not going to say in the future, but in the very near future. So you know, Jay, when we talk about cancer. Um, a lot of times people get stressed just knowing that they have cancer not knowing what's going to happen next and even after they go into a doctor's office they can still come out in a blur you know not knowing specifically what am I going to go through what am I going to um, you know what am I going to endure during the suffering And it's a technique that I have used. I use it pretty much on a daily basis. That releases or reduces stress in the body because we know, and we've talked about this on other podcasts, that the way we think, what we focus on, is what we attract. So we focus on the bad, the bad outcomes. We're going to get bad outcomes. If we focus on the positive outcomes, we're going to get. You know, is a possibility that those positive outcomes are going to materialize. As as some of my friends call it, the manifestation, right, of of what we think and what we feel and what we believe. So I I do this technique, and I can do it pretty much anywhere. That if I'm stressed or I feel like I'm stressed, or my body feels like it's stressed, and I start ruminating over a problem or a situation, that chatter. Can, be, can actually take me in the opposite direction of where I want to go or where I would like to be. So there is what they call a peripheral vision exercise we do in the, the therapeutic hypnosis world. And how we do it, and Jay, I'm going to ask our listeners, as long as you're in a position that you can do this, not driving. Not, gonna, not driving, not <laughs> driving. Not operating major, you know, some, some equipment or, you know, and, or, you know, so especially not driving. So you're not going to close your eyes. So I'm going to ask you to look ahead of you and it could be at your phone or a place on the wall. I'm going to say a place on the wall. And so you look at the place on the wall, a spot on the wall, And you focus on that one spot and you stare at it. Now, I want you to begin without moving your head and without uh, moving your eyes. Continue to look at the spot, but to expand your peripheral vision to include the space around that spot. Now, as you expand your vision even further to the sides, all the way Look up but you can actually use your peripheral vision to see the ceiling and the floor or whatever area you're in, even if you're outside somewhere. And then expand it even more, allowing your visual field to actually open up so you can almost imagine that you are aware of the space behind you. Now, this may feel a little strange, but if you practice it three or four times, you will notice that you become calm in your mind, right, and in your body. And that chatter stops. It's like we call it stop the world. Whenever you feel that that anxiety or that stress, you can use this technique. And like I say, practice it. I practice it sometimes I'll look at I'll be in the grocery store and i I think I'll start thinking about all the things I need to do after I leave the grocery store, like put the groceries away, da da da, and then the day goes on and the errands that I have to run. If I'm looking at the back of someone's head, I can do it. Yesterday, I was at the doctor's office, and I would do my blood pressure, right. And this is my first time at in this doctor's office, so I had never met the doctor before. So sometimes we can get, even though they don't wear white coats anymore, we can get a little anxious about that. And so what you do is you find a place on the wall, pick a point, and start expanding. And as you expand and expand expand, that chatter in your mind starts to stop, and then you're your whole body starts to become calm. So try it, practice it, listeners, it works. It is one of those things called stop the world.
1: And I think you, uh, Pam, didn't you also in one of our podcasts talk about some breathing exercises that also could augment that stop the world approach, you know, trying to get everybody to calm down to, you know, quiet the noise. To concentrate on their breathing didn't you do uh something like that on one of our podcasts uh, yeah. too it's a,
0: yeah. a breathing technique firemen use it. police officers use it it's it's called the seven eleven. so you inhale slowly for a count of seven and then you or you can do the four four cause they it's two ways in which you can do it depending on how anxious or how much in enough fight or fight situation that you're in where your sympathetic nervous system has taken over because when you think about your, your nervous system, um, you have two. You have the sympathetic and then you have the parasympathetic. Your sympathetic, think of it as gas, and the parasympathetic is a break. So when you feel like you're anxious or things about to happen or, or you're, you're ruminating this thought in your head, this negative, then just either do the breathing techniques that we talked about Or do the stop the world, the peripheral vision technique of just focusing on one spot.
1: And you can do the breathing while you're driving, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, so
1: you can't with (laughs) the other.
0: Yes, absolutely, without distracting. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. So doctor's office, you can use the stop the world. But when you're out of the doctor's office and you're driving... Right. Do the breathing exercises. <laughs> the That's all I'm saying.
0: But you know, it's funny because they use the peripheral vision techniques stop the world for addicts um, when they're getting ready to, to um, you know, to go to the drug or, or they're getting that nudging you know, or that desire to go to the, their drug of choice. Yeah. If they focus on that spot, whatever the drug is, or whether it's alcohol or cigarettes or any type of illicit drug, um, they can actually pull their attention away from it, that they can walk away from
1: it. Right. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, well, yeah. that was um, very great, Pam. Thanks for um, sharing that with the listeners. And I'm going to end our podcast today with a quote from Maya Angelou. Um, and boy, she was a smart lady. Um, I think it applies to this particular podcast that we did. And I think it applies in general. So she said, I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by it. I think that's something that we can all take away and use for just about everything in our life.
0: Amen, sister. Amen. I agree. That's a good one. I like that, Jay. Listeners, this is PB&J, as always, bringing you another episode to increase your health IQ. Like you. Until next time, be safe, be well, be happy, and enjoy the life that you have.